Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Oh my goodness, Audrey. It's Wednesday night and it makes me really happy because we got to kick off a pretty awesome show tonight. Even though it's that time of year, it's the end of the year, beginning of the new year. It's like that weird amalgam. I can't tell like what it is anymore. I just know that we've been rushing through the holidays and all of a sudden it's like the 2020 decade is on us. A and decade is I know. freaking and gone. Isn't it weird? And it's, it's – I still remember the whole big deal of it just, you know, being Y2K. <laughs> okay, Jonathan, listen. I don't know about you, but yeah. I'm getting younger every year. Um, me too. Yes, I, I like now, the way I totally am. <laughs> I say this all the time and I believe it. Wow. I, I, I wish that was the case. So we call you That's like, how I feel. Call you Audrey Button or something like yeah. that? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's how I feel. <laughs> I, well, I think that's an important way to feel that way. And that's cool because I – and I, I'm going to try to – that's going to be my New Year's resolution. Okay. I don't really make New Year's resolutions, but this okay. time I will. Okay. I want to adopt your attitude of feeling younger every year because uh-huh. I think lately I've been finding myself like – and I try to be super positive, right? But Most sometimes fun. like every year clicks by and you're kind of like, oh, man. But I want to be like, no, oh, man. I want to say, oh, man, with like a positive I know. That's how I feel. Like, I, right. okay. Tell me. 2020. Okay. A whole decade goes by. A new era. Right. Okay. It, you know, it's, I love these demarcations sometimes. Yeah. We just sort of well, human beings need, human go, beings need yeah, demarcations, right? We need these demarcations. And so 2020, what does that mean? If you think about Pittsburgh, right, a decade went by after the housing bust because the housing bust was in the previous decade. Exactly. Think about That's that. Right. That was 2008. Think about nine. that. Right. And we're slowly coming back. But we're slowly we, as Pittsburgh coming back. Yeah, slowly. Slowly. Though. But slowly. I like I like slowly sometimes because slowly means you do, stable. Because you're a provincial kind of guy. Provincial. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll take that, <laughs> I think. And you're the point is is yeah. that in Pittsburgh, some people may drive around and look at Lawrenceville and look at the strip and say Look at Cranberry even. Oh, my gosh, it's busting out at the seams and housing prices are astronomical and et cetera. Look at all this growth and all these new restaurants. Yeah. And, yes, so very true. Mm-hmm. I want those places to do well. I want us to have the array of restaurants that we have and the array of amenities that we have. Mm-hmm. But why isn't our population stable? Exactly. Right? Why is it? So the world has really changed. And the world has changed in terms of how people move. Do they move? How do they uproot themselves and what they go after and what they look for? Exactly. And I believe that in the next decade, we're going to see more people that are going to be part of the gig economy. I think that's what's happening. And I think why? Because people want flexibility. 
I think that's a key driver for sure. I think it's yeah. It's so it's like you know how you just go out in the middle of the day and go for an eighty mile ride. In the middle of the day, yes. In the middle of the day, I wish, but and sort then of. come back. <laughs> right. No one would ever stop you from doing that. I, maybe that should be my New Year's resolution: more eighty mile rides in the middle of the day at work. Well, why not just go right. for a long ride in right. the middle of the day? I work, wouldn't care. Right, because just you get your work done when you get your work done. So but what's the I big deal? I wouldn't care. You're not a slacker. Right. You're not someone that I should be worried about. That right. You're, taking advantage but we're in an age we're in an age where people want whole lives and whole lives mean that they bleed a little work they bleed a lot of home life they Mm -hmm. want to make sure that they have access to things right they don't necessarily want a nine to five kind of click in and out where you have to go to an office in a part of town right right and some people may say, of my generation, they may say, how dare they? They should work their way up. And that's how you get to be a part of, of work and job. And, and, <laughs> climb and, you know, the ladder. Climb the ladder. No. <laughs> those days are, have been long gone. And they've been slowly whittling away. Mm-hmm. And now, where are we? We want People want to do many different things. Yeah, it's They want true. to contribute in many different ways. They want to be a part of... A milieu of a milieu. Oh my goodness! Okay, this is of getting, opportunities. Right, right, right. It's true. So, how does that work into my company and into my work? And I am going to say that all of that is going to shake all of us up. And I think it's going to do it very quickly as well, too. Well, I think it's been happening, and I think if you look at the coast, people have been ide- yeah. have been adapting a little bit. Okay, but now here in the heartland, it's starting to trickle inward. It's now. starting to trickle in, and people are saying, "Okay, if I'm going to live in a place like this, and I'm going to work in a place like this, and I'm going to raise a family, or I'm not going to raise a family, but I'm going to have a life here. Here are the things that really matter to me. Okay, and what matters to me is the company, what the leadership stands for." And what kind of impact I have. Definitely. And what else matters to me is how the rest of my life is. What kinds of things am I working on and experiencing in the rest of my life? And it's about experience. Mm -hmm. And those experiences tend to be what makes a whole life. Whereas you and I may have said, okay, we get it. We got to put up with the grind for a while and work some crazy hours and 14-hour days and do X, Y, and Z. It's not the case. It's not the case, and that's not a bad thing. I it's just different, and we need to adjust applaud. to it. Yeah. I actually applaud okay. when people are saying, I like flexibility, and here's what I look, look for in terms of flexibility. I like that because I feel like we've been stagnant. It's, and the work, of, the work of the last two decades, while we've seen innovation change at the most rapid rate probably in the history of humankind – and the amount of new companies that are billion-dollar companies that we never even heard their name a decade ago exactly. are now part of the fabric of our day-to-day right. lives. Well, that makes me wonder in the next 10 years. Like there's going to be some companies that we have no idea about right now that are going to be probably ruling the roost Absolutely. for lack of a better totally. term. And that has, totally me, has me really intrigued to wonder like what exactly is that going to be? What's right, it going to be around? What will disrupt? companies yeah. are going to be disrupting work. They're going to be disrupting. So if you think that – you can work remotely. I mean, I always have a vision of holograms. You know, that's one of my things. <laughs> you have talked a lot I've about talked holograms. About holograms. <laughs> right. I want a hologram that I can be over in Scotland. You, you and... actually really need a hologram yeah. right now, Audrey, So maybe there's something <laughs> that can make that happen for you. <laughs> but imagine if we had a teammate that was located in Scotland mm-hmm. and they were an integral part of our work day in and day out and we saw them. And you're working with a hologram every day. 
because you it's need that human so interaction. It's not so far-fetched. Right. The point is, is that what does transportation look like? I think these next decade ahead, that what does transportation look like mm-hmm. is definitely interesting. I mean, even here in Pittsburgh, we're talking about a hyperloop. Whether that's real or not, we're talking about a hyperloop. If there's a right. hyperloop between here and sh- Cleveland and Chicago and Columbus. That changes a lot. You can get changes, to Chicago in an hour, right? Yeah, but yeah. it could be that people leave Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or people or coming into Pittsburgh. people come into Pittsburgh. It's right. a two-way hyperloop, right? <laughs> hey, people come into Pittsburgh, but they work in Chicago. Yeah. Well, that's why it's so exciting to think as these, like? as these technologies happen. those things so then, change work. So we only have like a minute left, but then how do we plan for that? I guess you really can't. You've you got to always be planning. You've well, got to always be self-correcting and looking, looking ahead of the market as far as you can in order to – Keep guiding. But you have to pay right? attention to data. Right. And okay. that's one of the things that, that is your I'm thing. passionate about. I know. Pay attention to the information. Understand what the lagging indicators are. Understand what is predictive and what is not. And use that to shape tomorrow. Very much so. Here's the cool thing is, Audrey, we can tell some of those stories right here on Tech Vibe Radio because a lot of the Pittsburgh companies that are working on those very hard problems. And that's why we do the shows, yes, to profile them and their good work. So, yeah, this is fun stuff. It's got my brain thinking and i'm getting myself into a positive mood because yeah i think moving forward into 2020 and beyond is going to be pretty darn exciting especially when you think about just the last five years much less the next 10 that's coming so good stuff anyhow Audrey, we're taking a quick break we are coming back with a lot of tech vibe radio from the best and brightest companies the women and men behind these companies ready to talk to us right here tonight this is jonathan kirsting and this is audrey Rousseau. and we are from the pittsburgh technology council learn more about us at pghtech.org we absolutely, positively love helping tech companies succeed. That's what we do. Welcome back. It is true. You are listening to Tech Vibe Radio here on KDKA. This is Jonathan Kirsting with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. And we have Alex Height here with Vismo hanging out with us tonight. So, Alex, welcome to the show. How are you doing, man? Hey, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so, so doing pretty well. Um, so Vismo started about three years ago. Yeah. Uh, James Julius founded the company after he left uh, CMU. Yeah. See, that's a common theme we get here on Tech Vibe is I always say thank goodness for our schools like Carnegie Mellon and Pitt because that's where so many of the companies come from. Yeah, it's, it's amazing the talent that we get out of Pittsburgh. I mean, and, and everybody that um, we've been working with and hiring – uh, has all been educated here in Pittsburgh, too. Very cool. Yeah. So how big is the company? How many people are working at Vismo right now? So now there's eight of us. Yeah. Uh, as of November 1st. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So you adding people? Yeah, we're growing pretty quickly. Um, so I started about six months ago, mm-hmm. and uh, I was the fourth person. Fourth person in. Yeah. What was, what was it exciting to say, I'm going to go work for Vismo? What were you doing before Vismo? So before Vismo, I was working in BI for a uh, private sector company in, in the mining industry. Okay. Before that, I was doing work for the county uh, in their county stat department. Oh, so this is interesting. So you're working with some, you know, some, some big organizations here, and you're like, I'm going to go work for a startup company. What's that all about? That, that's a kind of a risky move. Yeah, it's risky, but it's also the lifestyle. Cool. I, mean, I, I like okay. the ability to have a flexible schedule. Definitely. I like the ability to be in a, in a field where um, – you know, one day we're working with a healthcare technology company. Mm-hmm. The next day we're working with a construction company trying to predict uh, risk for uh, worker safety. 
the next day we're working with a nonprofit trying to predict uh, outcomes. Never the same day twice. Right? Yeah, exactly. Plus, I mean, you're playing a big role at that point, right? I mean, you're you're, you're one eighth of a company right now, so you yeah. have some definite impact on what on what's happening within Visma, right? Yeah, the growth opportunities are a lot more accessible mm-hmm. uh, for for coming in on the ground level like yeah. that. So, give our listeners a little elevator pitch as to what exactly Visma does. I think it, what, you, what you do is just fascinating to me, and it just shows the power of what you guys do. Yeah, so we've changed a lot um, since starting, but uh, we do everything from custom visual analytics Mm -hmm. to artificial intelligence solutions to machine learning models. Uh, We have people on staff. All the fun stuff. All the fun stuff. (laughs) We have people on staff doing really advanced statistics, uh, programming, development work. Uh, we're dabbling in the software space now. Really? So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is obviously as, as a startup and being three years old, you're going to see yourself changing quite a bit, which has to be part of the fun is <laughs> to see how you're going to pivot and move and adjust to the market. So, so give us like maybe just like the in a general ways like like how you're helping companies. How, how what kind of problems are you solving? Is there a typical like size of a company that you work with? It seems like obviously you have a variety of companies that you work with, which is very exciting. Yeah, so we can work with companies, uh, private sector, nonprofit sector, government sector, uh, really ranging from early stage startup. If they don't have a data analytics team on their own, right? Uh, we can come in and provide that. Uh, you can you can kind of be that that analytics team for hire. So they don't, exactly. you don't need a full time analytics person. You can call in Vismo to do that. Right. And, and you're seeing so much more need for that capability now, right? Yeah, I mean companies, uh, sh- you know, they they do the best when they're focusing on what they know how to do. We know how to do the analytics portion, so we can partner with an organization that really knows how to do their subject matter expertise. Okay. Very cool. um, but we can also work with a really large organization uh, that needs really talented individuals to yeah. provide a service. Well, I would assume the large organizations could really use you because you can kind of break them out of their shell or, or can be really fast and act quickly, especially if, if a problem arises or there's an opportunity that's arising for them. They can change the data sets. You can go through and analyze it and start finding trends and things that are going on that they're looking for. Yeah, and that's something that we've we've really seen as a benefit of being members of the Tech Council. Oh, cool. Too. Yeah, I mean, keep talking. I like the way right, you get it. Yeah, I mean, I mean uh, <laughs> I've been able to come and, and, and join four different breakfast briefings or one-on-one meetings with really large organizations well, like excellent. GE or right. DARPA. That's or, why we exist. Exactly, we we yeah. try to get those big guys so the small guys can kind of link up and help them solve some problems. Because right. a lot of times, like, they can't just spin up a data uh, analytics team, you know, overnight in, in order to, you know, capitalize on an opportunity. But lo and behold, they can reach out to Vismo, and they're like, no, we can put some people on that. Right, exactly, yeah. And, and so we've been able to um, really really change the way that we target uh, customers and the way that we interact with our potential clients. Very cool. So how much do you use, like, out-of-the-box type software, or is this all custom hmm. stuff? Like, I'm sure it's probably a mix-mash of everything based on the problems that you're trying to solve. Yeah, so, so uh, we've changed a little bit. We used to do a mix of things, and now we're really moving in the direction of just doing everything custom software. Custom software, um, okay. Yeah, so we, we've really made an effort to do uh, custom coding on all solutions so that everything's a lot more flexible. Uh, everything can really be targeted to a specific need. Very cool. Is there a typical like like length of engagement when someone works with you guys? I mean, obviously, if you're doing some custom stuff, it might take a, take a little bit of time. Or are you guys pretty fast and can turn things around? Yeah, it depends. I mean, we if if there's just a one one off solution that somebody needs to uh, you know set up some metrics and understand what their uh, data is, that can just be a, a few months. 
but a lot of our engagements are multi-year projects. I would believe so. Yeah. I mean, we're talking about data here, which we're producing more and more and more of, and, yeah. and companies are, and they're trying to make sense of that data. Right. You can produce the data, but if you don't know what it means. But you're also putting a visualization aspect to it. Can you tell us about that? Because I think that's where I think data becomes powerful. You can you can write reports and show trends, but if you can actually see it quickly, like on a dashboard, and then be able to react to it just because it's so visual, it seems like that's super powerful. Yeah, so Vizimo uh, came from James's idea of, of visualizing more. So being able to really understand the data through a picture and being able to tell a story that way. Uh, and so that's what we like to be able to do. We like to um, tell a story with the data, and we like to be able to come to an actual actionable concrete solution. From that story. Right. It makes it sound like this is very approachable. Yeah, it's super approachable. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's at the end of the day, there's a very technical thing that we're doing. Um, but You're making if, it look if, easy. <laughs> yeah, and if nobody understands what it is, right. then nobody's going to be able to utilize it. Right. So, so really, if you're listening out there, like I say, don't be shy. Reach out to these guys. Yeah. Because definitely. everyone knows they're collecting data, and they know the data is a powerful thing. And if you can, you know, if you're looking for certain trends, or whatever, it is, or whatever it is within your data, I mean, Vismo can help you with that, right? Yeah. I mean, trend, trending is definitely one of the things that we can do, but we can also predict things off of those trends okay. uh, and look towards the future. Right. Predicting, obviously, very, very cool stuff. So as we're now just fresh into 2020, got a couple minutes left. What are your predictions about <laughs> how much more data we're going to be producing or just in general? Like, like where do you see things moving you know, in, in your industry? Yeah. I mean, there's there's been tons of reports coming out um, about that. I think it's Every for the past two years, there's double the amount of data that comes out um, yeah. that exists in it's the like past. Stifling, yeah. stifling, <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. How much is coming out there? And you got to do something with it, right? Yeah. And that's why companies like Vismo are so important to us these days. Right. And if, if, if you're not making good decisions with the data that you have, then you're really putting yourself at a disadvantage. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. So we've got about a minute or so left. Like. At the end of the day, like where, where do you see yourself moving in the next six months? Obviously, do you see yourself growing, adding more people, new projects? What's yeah, we're always guys? looking to uh, add more people to our team. Um, we'd love to, if, if anybody's you know finishing up a program right. in, in uh, computer science, uh, we'd definitely love to talk to you. Cool. If there's anybody out there that's looking to really do new and disruptive things with their data, um, we'd love to talk to them about Sounds that. Sounds like too. fun to me, right, <laughs> all exactly. the way around. Yeah. If people want to reach out and learn more, be good to what, Vismo.com? Uh, Vismoconsulting.com. Yeah, Vismoconsulting.com. Very, very cool. I really suggest our listeners, go do that. Don't be shy. Like I said, it's all about making connections here. Everyone, friendly, friendly, fun people, yeah. working on really hard problems with really cool technology. What's more to like? Yeah, I uh, really appreciate it, Jonathan. Thanks Absolutely. so much for the time. Alex Height, you're the best. Vismo, check them out, vismoconsulting.com. Hey, this is Jonathan Kirsten with the Pittsburgh Technology Council, bringing you Tech Vibe Radio. Learn more about the Tech Council by going to pghtech.org. We'll be right back after this quick break. Thanks for investing your time here listening to Tech Vibe Radio on KDK. This is Jonathan Kirsten. I'm with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. As everyone knows, I get really excited to tell some great stories that are happening here in the Pittsburgh area. What really gets me excited, especially in Pittsburgh, is the way industry and academia kind of come together sometimes to make special things happen that couldn't happen unless they came together to do that. And we got just a story here tonight to tell you about. And we are talking about the Center for Sustainable Business 
out of the University of Pittsburgh, just spun up actually this fall. So I'm really excited to learn so much more about this. And we're hanging out with Leslie Marshall, who's leading the thing up, which is super cool. And she brought along Mark Kinsella, who's the VP of Environmental Health and Safety at PPG. They're one of the main sponsors and, and partners when it comes to making this center happen. So guys, welcome to the show tonight. So glad to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Very excited to be here. Absolutely. So I always love starting with background so our listener knows who's who and what's what. So Leslie, what's your background? And I know you got to be super pumped to be leading up this center. All right. I'm very excited to be leading up the center. So um, as you mentioned, I'm the associate director. Mm-hmm. And uh, the director of our center is actually C.B. Bhattacharya, who's a faculty and chair in sustainability and ethics okay. at the business school at the University of Pittsburgh. And the two of us... Uh, wrote a grant to the Heinz Endowments to get seed funding for the Center for Sustainable Business, where our mission is to help companies make the most out of their strategic investments in sustainable business practices across all functions of the organization. So a lot of times sustainability gets siloed into one department, uh, becomes the responsibility of the philanthropic arm of the organization. So we're interested in working with companies to mainstream it across. Get it into the whole culture of the organization, not the department at the end of the building that that happens to be handling it. You see them at the Christmas party from time to time, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) And of course, Mark, what's your background and how long have you been with PPG for and your interest in hanging out with this center? Sure. So I am the vice president of Environment, Health, and Safety, or EHS at PPG. I've been in this job now for three years. I've been with PPG my whole career. That's awesome. So I'm uh, very cool. Working on my 35th year. Are you serious? With PPG, oh, that's amazing. Yep. Congratulations and on that, man. That's cool. I am a Pittsburgher. I uh, grew up in Pittsburgh, went to school at the University of Pittsburgh. Me too. Uh, Come on. Two here degrees we go. Yeah. from Pitt, uh, both in engineering. I only have one. It's in English, so you got me <laughs> way beat. <laughs> and uh, I've had many different roles at PPG from engineering I to sales it. to business. Uh, lived all over the country with PPG and moved back into this job three years ago back home in Pittsburgh. And how excited are you to be like part of this, this center? It's extremely exciting. You know, the, the thing about environment, health, and safety and product stewardship at PPG is really all rolled under sustainability. We don't have a ch- chief sustainability officer with PPG, okay. but we have a sustainability committee, corporate sustainability mm-hmm. committee, uh, that basically I drive. Uh, it's comprised of uh, officer-level employees uh, from PPG, leaders across PPG from all the different functions, and really helps to set the, the strategy and focus for our sustainability initiatives at PPG. Very and, cool. And uh, very excited to be yeah, part of Yeah, very cool. So let's, let's start at the beginning here, Leslie. Let's switch gears a little bit, and let's just talk about the nuts and the bolts. First off, you had a really cool kickoff event back in the fall. It seemed sure. like a well-attended, really got yourself started with a bang here. So tell us about that a little bit, and then really, what are the basics of the center? How is it going to work, and how can we get people engaged and fired up over this? Right, absolutely. So yes, we had our formal launch on October 24th, but it's actually been in the works, uh, I would say, for about a year, wow. in the sense uh, that we got our funding from Heinz at the end of June. My position officially began July 1st. July 1st, so all right. <laughs> really hit the ground running. Yes, you um, did, absolutely. Uh, but uh, the launch event uh, involved bringing together uh, more than 100 sort of senior managers, whether from industry or civil society organizations, some local government. The mayor uh, of Pittsburgh, Bill Peduto, gave remarks along with Provost Cudd, who's the one of the most senior administrators at the University of Pittsburgh, Absolutely. the dean of the business school. And then we did a plenary panel at the launch that featured senior uh, managers in sustainability-related fields from IBM, which is one of our sponsors, along with NL North America, BASF Corporation. All three of those companies have a long history of working in this space. So 
We were very pleased to have them join Andrew McElwain from the Heinz Endowments on a panel at the launch. We also had a keynote there uh, delivered by John Vieira from Ford Motor Company. He used to be the head of global sustainability and vehicle environmental matters there, and along with a couple of academic presentations from people from Michigan and Penn State who've been doing a lot of applied research in the space of corporate sustainability over their careers. And the idea behind the launch was to illustrate the sort of three major programmatic areas that the yeah. center is going to operate in. It's like you're reading my mind. I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> exactly, like this. exactly. Like ESP and telepathy going on here. Exactly. Cool. So we think of the center as being a three-legged stool, programmatically speaking. So okay. one of those is uh, applied research, which we intend to do in collaboration with our corporate partners, like PPG. In fact, that's one of the folks who's local that we're very excited to be thinking in the future about ways that we can I mean, work together. I can't think of a better partner than PPG in something like this. Like when I think of sustainability and all the work they do, I mean, I've toured your facility so many times, and it always blows my mind, the work that you're doing. So, sorry, keep going. Right, no, absolutely. I, I, I'm hopeful that to, Mark will talk a bit more about their <laughs> R&D uh, later, since all of that has uh, implications, ramifications for sustainability at the corporate at the corporate level. So applied research and partnership with companies, there's still so much we don't know about how innovation in more sustainable practices can have all kinds of, of outcomes uh, for companies, some that are good, some that are less than ideal, and how we can track and measure those. Uh, the th- second leg of the stool is teaching and training. So when we think about sustainability and the importance of sustainability within the context of a business school education, we are thinking about sustainability as a general knowledge, a general knowledge base or a way of looking at problems or being intentional in whatever role you have within the company. So we want to think about educating a generation of or education, educating many uh, sustainability generalists, right? For sure. Whatever your function is within that, the organization, right? To be thinking about that. Exactly. To be top of mind. Exactly. It shouldn't just be the responsibility of the senior sustainability officer for the company. It should be that there are people... Um, in all roles of the company from top to bottom, side to side, who can think, be trained to think sustainably about what they're doing and how slight modifications or huge modifications to the model uh, can yield impact. So we want to work on that. And then the third piece, the third component is thought leadership. And that component is about creating a peer-to-peer learning network for our corporate partners, many of whom, like Mark, have expertise in their company, in their sector. They've faced challenges. They've had successes. And we want to get all those people to the table together to be able to share. Um, That's what it's all about. I mean, people that are on the front lines that's coming together and seeing what's working, what's not working, and learning from each other and right. then bringing that forward so people can learn from those practices, right, and, and apply that into their businesses and make people more sustainable. Exactly. And Love I, it. Exactly, and just to sort of wrap that um, wrap that point around, when we talk about who's at that table, it's PPG is one of our founding uh, corporate sponsors, alongside, as I mentioned before, IBM, NL North America, BASF Corporation, uh, Consol Energy, which is also based locally, People's Natural Gas, and Pitt, Ohio, all round out our sort of seven founding corporate sponsors. It's a can serious tell. list of sponsors right there. Yeah, and we're hoping to grow it shortly. So Absolutely. Well, I think but that's a, a very, very good start. That's for sure. When people see that list, they know this means something, and it's something worth belonging to as far as that goes. So maybe we can uh, talk a little bit about how PPG is kind of interacting with this and, and, sure. and kind of how you're moving forward. Since it's 2020 already, which is just absolutely crazy to me at this point, it's like a great way to start the year off thinking about this. So yeah, Absolutely. And, and Quite honestly, you know, this is something that we think about every day in PPG. It's reflected in our purpose, our tagline. You know, we protect and beautify the world. And as a sustainability leader, 
as I interact with other companies, I'm very proud to state, yeah, PPG's purpose is to protect and beautify the world. What could be better, more sustainable than, exactly. than just that? And this gives us a great vehicle uh, locally mm-hmm. to be able to engage uh, with companies and with the university and other folks of academia right. to help to continue to advance that uh, that approach. And that'd be something you would do, obviously, through the uh, Sustainable Business Forum as well, too, which you're going to be getting the first one kicked off this year where you kind of bring those minds together, right? Absolutely correct. You know, there are always opportunities to continue to evolve and move forward, uh, whether it's through uh, the sustainability of our operations. We have over 200 around the world uh, that we're continuing to uh, move forward, as well as, and you've, you've referenced this, the development of new sustainable products. Um, and that's really core to PPG as a company, is developing mm-hmm. new technologies that uh, provide for greater sustainability uh, in all of the markets that we serve uh, and greater sustainability for our customers. So uh, a very key part for us as we continue to drive forward. Very cool. We've got a few minutes left. So how can people get more involved with this? Obviously, I mean, people see these names. They're going to be like, wait a second. We want to be part of this. We want to be part of this mind share. Because, you know, being part of this, it's going to make things better. It's going to make the business better. It makes the environment better. It's that just all-around good results, it seems like. Yeah, no question. I mean, from our perspective, we recognize we have a pretty prominent position in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And uh, we saw this as great value for us to make sure that we are uh, leading by example and helping to uh, ensure in partnership with the University of Pittsburgh, a, a way in which we can establish and continue to evolve PPG and, and Pittsburgh and the University of Pittsburgh's evolution uh, and have the city looked upon as a, a great uh, story that uh, it continues to, to demonstrate. And I think it's, once again, it's that story from the beginning. It only happens when, when a leading institution like Pitt and PPG come together to Pittsburgh powerhouses to do something like this that's going to help everybody. Absolutely. I think it's just such a great and awesome story. So if people want to like nerd out and learn more, you've got a great mm-hmm. website. Where can people go and check you out? All right, absolutely. So you can check out our website at www.sustainablebusiness.pit.edu. Mm-hmm. That'd be a great place to start. You can also email me directly. My uh, contact information is on the website. Um, I would also add that the best thing you can do to be involved right now would be to, if you're in a position within a company to join the center would be to consider doing exactly that. That sustainable business forum meeting that you mentioned, the next one will take place at the, or the first one, I should say, yeah. will take place at the end of February. And the theme of that meeting is the role of corporate purpose and driving sustainability strategy. So as part of that meeting, only corporate sponsors will be invited. It is a closed-door meeting uh, to facilitate very intensive discussions about real challenges, real opportunities. Mm-hmm. And so... We're very excited that, that PPG has joined as one of our, our local founding partners. Fantastic. And I would say that the we are eager to expand that network locally. We'd be very pleased to have more Pittsburgh-based companies join us, but we're being very intentional about involving companies with a regional and a global presence. So you'll notice from some of our other sponsors that they have headquarters either in the Northeast, broadly speaking, right. or in the Midwest. And there's a reason for that. Many companies that we're working with have a global reach, even if they're headquartered in Pittsburgh. So we're excited Fantastic. to... Yeah, great stuff. And I can't thank you enough for stopping by to tell the story because it's great. Uh, Leslie and Mark, thanks for being part of the show tonight and making this aware to, making this aware to our, our listeners here. And once again, that is the, uh, the Center for Sustainable Business out of, the, out of the University of Pittsburgh. This is Jonathan Kirsten with the Pittsburgh Tech Council. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. Welcome back. You are listening to 
Tech Vibe Radio here on KDKA, and this is Jonathan Kirsting with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Can't thank you enough for spending your evening listening to our show. And I'll tell you what, I'm really fired up about our next guest, Tech 50 Award winner in the startup category. We have Griffin Schultz here from Rapid Flow Technologies. Hey, man, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Really great to be here. Yeah. Well, first off, I got to say congratulations again on Tech 50 because if our listeners don't know, Tech 50. We've been doing this for 22 years, 22 years honoring the 50 fastest growing, most innovative tech companies in the Pittsburgh region. And when it is, it's an accomplishment. And uh, I, I was just, when I saw that you guys were winning this year, I was like, oh, I can't think of a cooler company to get it because the problems that you're solving are near and dear to all of our listeners' hearts. <laughs> no one likes sitting in traffic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, the problem that, that we solve, everybody gets it. I mean, you just talk about traffic and they immediately say, oh, you know, can you install your software on my commute to work? Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a very easy um, uh, um, you know, value proposition to talk about exactly. for sure. So give the value prop to our listeners. Tell us what is Rapid Flow Technologies? Yeah, so Rapid Flow Technologies uses artificial intelligence to make dumb intersections smart. Basically, it's just really smart brains at the intersection. It's a robotic system okay. that uh, gets a feed from a video or radar detector that tells our software how many vehicles, pedestrian, bicycles, scooters are at an intersection. They can pick them all apart. It pick knows, them all. It knows a, it knows a cyclist from someone walking, from someone on a motorcycle to someone in a car or a box fan. And Definitely. Whoa, I love Definitely. it. So cool. So cool. It, it's multimodal because it has to be because especially in cities, um, you have all kinds of people traveling in in different ways. Exactly. So you can't just optimize for horse and buggy cars. Horse and buggy? In Pittsburgh sometimes. No. <laughs> Depends on where you are. So <laughs> I think that'd be a more efficient way to get around town. <laughs> yeah. Actually, where I grew up in upstate New York, lots of horse, lots and, of horse buggy. and buggies. Yeah. Okay. Amish and, uh, and Mennonites and, and folks. Um, yeah, but so once we get this feed from the detection system, mm -hmm. uh, our software every second uh, updates an optimization plan on the best way to move all that traffic through that intersection. How does it know to optimize? Like, how does it know based on the conditions, like it's got to make this next light shorter or longer? Or what? Yeah, that's that's exactly what it does. Um, it is a uh, it's a greedy optimization system where okay. every intersection's objective function is to reduce overall delay. So it's going to look at all the demand for that intersection and then um, supply that demand as efficiently as possible to, uh, you know, based on the number of, of vehicles and pedestrians, as I mentioned, bikes and scooters coming from different directions. So right. it's a complex problem and hard for humans to solve. Um, especially, you know, in real time. So that's why AI is uh, so efficient here. And that's why I love talking about these are the practical uses of these big terms that we often use on the show that, no, like things like artificial intelligence and robotics are being used so you can get to work faster and less irritated and having a little less impact on the environment because you're not sitting around in traffic just burning fuel the entire day yeah. <laughs> waiting for that light to turn, yeah, right? <laughs> absolutely. So our, our tagline is, is uh, we're improving people's lives. That, Which is that's important. A, that's a perfect tagline, actually. Yeah, I, I would but, say that's true. I, I can honestly say, ever since we moved our offices over to Nova Place, love where we work, but getting home sometimes, I want to yeah. lose my mind quite a bit yeah. just sitting around in traffic. Yeah, and and even if you're um, even if you're doing a job, your job, if you're a FedEx truck driver or a UPS driver or right. an Amazon driver, and you're stuck in traffic, you're getting paid for that time. But man, it just doesn't feel good. No. Nobody likes sitting in traffic. No one likes sitting in traffic. And it's even worse when you're trying to get home to get to your kid's uh, you, you know, sports event exactly. or band concert or whatever. Or just the city is, is in complete gridlock and, and, and you know, 
goods yeah. and people can't move around efficiently. Did you guys have a proposed tagline of like just traffic sucks? <laughs> 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 Eradicating traffic one lane at a time or something like that. So Griffin, what's, what's your background and what got you interested in starting up with, uh, with Rapid Flow Tech? Yeah. So I guess I don't usually go this far back, but it's, 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 it's sort of important for what I do today. So back in the early 90s, yeah. uh, I worked uh, in U.S. government and politics. So I worked on Capitol Hill as a staffer. I then worked on a Senate campaign uh, here in Pennsylvania, then a presidential campaign. And then I was the assistant deputy mayor for the city of Philadelphia. That all ended in about 1998 when I decided to go to business school. But all that is helpful because our end customers are cities. Exactly. So you know how to navigate those tricky channels. Yeah. So that background is really helpful. From there, I went to business school and that's how I got introduced to Pittsburgh. I was in business school at Penn in Philadelphia okay. and had a um, summer internship opportunity here with a company called Free Markets. Remember that little company called Free Markets yeah. Online? Absolutely. Yeah. Now they're Ariba. Right. So, and now SAP. And now SAP, right. Oh my, yeah, yeah. See, oh my goodness, man. My yeah, brain time flies. <laughs> it does. So yeah, I came here to Pittsburgh um, with, with Free Markets for a summer in- internship and then rejoined after I finished my MBA program program and have been in Pittsburgh ever since for 20 years. And after uh, free markets, I did a couple other early stage companies and um, was winding up the last one when I heard about RapidFlow and what they were doing and met the founders. And we really uh, clicked and decided to partner up and um, coming up on two years with the company. That's awesome. Very cool. And and RapidFlow has its roots into Carnegie Mellon, of course. Yes. Which is very cool. And and you got some projects with like Traffic 21, I think. Yes, absolutely. We were one of the first or early spin outs of Traffic 21, which is a, a research lab within Carnegie Mellon that combines, um, you know, traffic and engineering with robotics and AI and, uh, and computer science. Very so, cool. Yeah. So tell us about one of your first deployments. I know going through Oakland or the shitty side area, you were, you had a series of lights where, where you, the city was like, let's try this out. Yeah. Can you maybe give us a little bit of overview of what you guys did and maybe some of the results that came from just installing even a small project and, and what it did? In the sure. City? Sure. Yeah. So our first deployment was around 2012 here in the city of Pittsburgh, and it was founded by local foundations like the Heinz Foundation and the Hillman Foundation. So we really owe them um, a, a great um, a big thank you. And isn't it cool we have those foundations? foundations that can kind of see these types of projects to, yeah. to, to make the city better? Yeah, it was really Henry Hillman who was stuck in traffic oh, and was it. a big supporter of CMUs and Very knew about cool. all the technology that was happening there and said, We've, there's got to be a better way to do this. So That's why really Henry his... Hillman is so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I really feel like we're standing on the shoulder of giants here. But uh, so the city gave us permission um, when, when the, our founders were still part of Carnegie Mellon mm-hmm. to install the software at nine intersections. And we ended up saving um, uh, something like or, or, or creating about 26 percent efficiency uh, improvements in wow. traffic flow. 26 percent. 26. That's Various a crazy metrics. Number, right. Yeah, they went from like 20 to 40 percent. Like the, the number of stops um, when you were stopped, the amount of time that you were stopped. You know, um, travel times. We didn't uh, necessarily in, in an urban environment. You don't want to increase speeds too much, right? Because you don't want people, you know, flying I never through. Thought that's a very good point. You can't clear up if people are doing fifty miles an hour down Penn Avenue, right? Yeah, you yeah. Keep them at that thirty-five, right? Right. <laughs> and actually, some congestion in a city is a is a good thing, a, a certain level. 
Because again, it sort of regulates the traffic. Check, right. Yeah. Exactly. But in any event, we were able to get something like 30 per, 36% overall efficiency improvements. Um, and then on top of that, um, the, the environmental improvement and safety improvements. And again, back to what you were saying earlier, less anxiety, the less happiness road improvement, rage. right? Yeah. <laughs> less absolutely. road rage. That could be the other tagline for you yeah. guys. Yeah. <laughs> Rapid Tech, less road rage. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know, what's also important for, you know, businesses in the city is when you use USDOT and EPA, Right. Know, multipliers, that's something like uh, close to $2 million for every nine to 10 intersections that we deploy. So, you know, it's, it's a huge um, uh, improvement in people's lives, but sure. also bottom line savings yeah. for uh, like, like FedEx, UPS, oh, Amazon. All, all the way around. Though, I mean, the whole community really yeah. benefits from this. I and mean, like I said, if you're a cyclist, you're walking, it, it keeps everybody moving Absolutely. as far as that is. Um, how, many, how many installments are, or installations, sorry, do you have like in the Pittsburgh area now? So now we're up to 50 intersections yeah. in the city of Pittsburgh. Okay. And they have plans to do 150 more. What? Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's going to take a few years. And it's not just our software. Right. They're, they're modernizing. It's, it's part of their Smart Spines program. Gotcha. So um, they're planning to add uh, adaptive traffic control uh, throughout much of the city. So, yeah, we're, we're very excited about that. Very cool. What other cities are you uh, installing your awesome software in? Yes. Yeah, so we've installed in – or I'm sorry, we, 12 cities have bought the software. We've installed eight of them so far, four are in various stages of installment, and two of those are in Canada. Really? So we had our first two international customers. Do you have to, like, calibrate things to kilometers per hour at some point? Then? At some point, yeah. <laughs> not, not yet um, because they're, they're right in the middle of deployment. But uh, And one's – it's interesting. One is in eastern Canada outside of Toronto. And the other is in Western Canada outside of Edmonton. Jeez. So we get a nice mix of uh, Eastern and Western uh, cool. Canada. How exciting is that? I mean, is yeah. this like when you joined up for this company, is this trajecting the way you thought it was going to traject? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, you know, there's a big emphasis in cities in deploying smart city solutions absolutely. for sort of a broader category. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about this solution is it, as we just talked about, returns real value very quickly. There's a lot of smart city, you know, AI tech deployments that might take years to return value and the value is a little amorphous. Uh, this is very uh, concrete, if you will. And it's near and dear to our hearts because we're always traveling somewhere. Absolutely. That's why I think it's just so impactful. We yeah. only have a few minutes left. It's like, oh, time's going by as fast as the traffic is. Um, so, so what's happening in 2020 moving forward? Like, I mean, what, what, what big things are you looking forward to in the next few months? Yeah, so more international expansion outside okay. of North America. There's nothing concrete yet, but we're getting tons of inbound I can interest. believe because as this starts going, people talk. I mean, these cities talk to each other and they're like, yeah, this is working for us. So they're yeah. going to be like, knock, knock, rapid flow. Can yeah. you please help us? And you're like, yeah, sure. We can help you guys. <laughs> Absolutely. And there's a couple of larger cities. Um, you know, we're, we deployed in Atlanta, um, Portland, Maine, Pittsburgh. So we're in some bigger cities already, but there's some big name cities that are considering the solution. So it'll be uh, really fun in 2020 if we can announce some of those uh, as big wins. Very cool. Before we wrap this thing up, which intersections can we go try out? Yeah. So if you're in the East Liberty area, yeah. uh, we have a lot of intersections sections around uh, Penn and Center okay. and that whole uh, Balm Boulevard uh, um, uh, in, in that part of town, okay. Center Avenue, uh, those whole corridors there are, are all uh, using SureTrack, our software. Go through there. You can actually experience For little, sure. little AI and robotics in action to make your life a little easier getting from point A to point B. I just love the fact that you guys are doing what you're doing. and I can't congratulate you enough on being a Tech 50 winner this year. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Appreciate it. And if people want to nerd out on Rapid Flow Tech. What's, what's your website? Best place for people to go and, and check you guys out. Yeah, so it's uh, just rapidflowtech.com. Just that simple? Yep, it's that simple. 
And you can find us on, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. All through there. Yeah. Great stuff. Congratulations once again. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. It's making our life a little better. If you can put your system on the Squirrel Hill Tunnel somehow, <laughs> then we'll be really talking. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let me know when that happens. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks so much. Really appreciate it. Hey, another tech vibe under our belt. It goes by way too fast, way, way too fast. Next week, Audrey will be rejoining me. Our schedules are all conflicting these days, and so she's looking forward to getting back in the studio with me to tell these great stories like what's going on with Rapid Flow Tech. So many more of these stories coming at you in 2020 every single Wednesday night here on KDKA. It's been a pleasure having you as our audience here to learn about these great companies making Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. This is Jonathan Kersing with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Make us part of your business building plans in 2020. Learn about us at pghtech.org. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.